Hello and welcome to Error 204, the podcast where we discuss theology from a reformed perspective in genuinely nerdy things where there's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner. And I'm Mark Fromey. Today we are going to be talking about racial unity in Christ. And this is a, a topic that's been brought up a lot and recently. Um, James White has been talking about this a lot, has great things to say, strongly recommend going and listen to The Dividing Line. So as Mark and I are talking about this, we thought it'd be good to have someone else's input on it than just ours because we tend to ramble too much and, and have we don't always say things the best way. And so we have a special guest star with us today, and it is Kofi Edubwehin. Was, was that close? Close enough. <laughs> close enough. Okay. We have Kofi. He's, he actually waited. And you were on The Dividing. Did you talk on The Dividing Line? Am I correct in that? Uh, yes, I've, I've phoned into The Dividing Line a couple of times on this issue. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. So Kofi's called in on that, had some great things to say. Mark and I actually heard his thoughts from that and, and just loved his thoughts on the topic, loved what he had to say on the topic, because this is a huge issue in our culture right now, and it's one that's been addressed very poorly by the church to both extremes, in, in my opinion, of where either it's pretended it's not there or we end up with a social gospel. And so hopefully in this episode we're going to be looking at it more accurately. So I'll, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit more, though, for the listeners, Kofi. So yeah, Kofi Edeboy, I'm 27 years old, uh, live in Medford, Oregon. You may pick up a bit of an accent. Um, I'm originally from London, born and raised in the UK, and moved over here in April of last year. Um, got married. Uh, my wife is from the Medford area, and so um, moved over here after we got married. So adjusting to life in the US, and yeah, um, when I'm not on social media... Um, intern at my local church here uh bear creek church in medford and about to begin my mdiv um in the fall lord willing so yeah a bit of a busy time at the moment but yeah that's kofi we appreciate you taking the time in the middle of busyness to to come and star on the podcast yeah. um where are you going to be getting your mdiv from um so i'm going to be going through a school an online school called forge theological seminary um Recently heard about them and had a chat with one of the directors of the school and really liked the... So they're an online school and their focus is, um, yes, providing an academic education, but also being involved in the local church and absolutely love their focus. And it's a pretty rigorous program. So, yeah, decided to sign up with them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sorry, I know that wasn't planned. I just was curious. Yeah, um, yeah that's really cool. So, all right, well... We usually give recommendations. I guess we can go ahead and do that. If you want to throw a couple out, Kofi, you can feel free to do that too. We usually recommend a, a book and then some sort of media mm. thing. Uh, so, I think in terms of a book, it may seem like a um, an odd recommendation to give in terms of a book, but a book that's been really helpful for me in thinking about the church and culture, which I think drives a lot of the discussion that we're having. Um, a really helpful book for me has been What is the Mission of the Church by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert. Um, believe it's published, Good book. Yeah, uh, I believe it's published by Crossway. Um, and I think they map out a biblical vision of what the church's purpose is. And though they're not writing with this issue in mind because it hadn't quite blown up um, when they wrote that book, I think a lot of what they have to say um, speaks very pointedly to... Um, a lot of this issue so highly recommend that in terms of um, media stuff a couple of resources I have to recommend um, there's a podcast called Just Thinking um, with a couple of friends of mine Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker 
and they are two African American men, um, both reformed, both very solid guys, and a lot of their podcasts deal with this whole issue of um, racial unity, racial reconciliation. How is the church supposed to respond to that from a biblical perspective? Um, I really recommend their thoughts in this area, um, especially an episode they did. I want to say it's three episodes back now that they did in response to the MLK 50 conference, which um, kind of poured some gasoline on the fire of this conversation. <laughs> Um, yeah, had some really good thoughts in that area, which I highly recommend. So, um, the Just Thinking podcast, and then my good friend and brother Samuel Say in Canada um, has a blog called Slow to Write, uh, slowtowrite dot com, and he's doing a lot of really good stuff in this area as well, which I really recommend to people. Um, Sam's got a real gift as a writer, and he has just this ability to not just as I've often said, hit you in the head, but he hits you in the heart as well. um, I read his stuff regularly and find myself having to kind of check my own heart in dealing with a lot of this issue. And he just comes off in a very balanced and a very fair, but a very unapologetic way as well, which I really appreciate. So um, yeah, in terms of media resources, Just Thinking, which I think you can find on thebarpodcast.com. They're hosted there. And you can also find Sam's stuff at slowtowrite.com. That's awesome. I am now ashamed for every media recommendation we've ever given, Mark. And also, <laughs> we should definitely do what Kofi did and make start making our media recommendations pertinent to the podcast. That would be really smart. We're not yeah. we're not that smart. Um, so thank you for improving our podcast. Um, we've always recommended like Star Wars books and some TV show because we're just not that smart. Oh. Hey, 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 any recommendation for anything Star Wars is always good. Forget the top. <laughs> yes, it's got Kofi fits in perfectly here. <laughs> yeah, you, if you want to become a permanent host with us, you're welcome now. <laughs> like Star Wars, you're in. Oh, yeah. So, well, <laughs> in typical fashion of Air 204 podcast, I don't have anything prepared that's actually relevant to the topic. I was going to recommend the uh, the book Fatal Alliance, which is a Star Wars book that's really good. I've been enjoying, and that I think so I've, I think I've recommended Star Wars books like every time since we started this. I need to start branching out on my book recommendations, and then I think I might have recommended like a Martin Lloyd Jones book once, and then <laughs> yeah, you recommended Preaching and Preachers at one point, but yeah, that's still one of the most impactful books on on my view of ministry and theology. But anyway, and then me recommendation. I actually don't really have one for this week. I guess I guess if I had to throw some out, I'd say. Yeah, honestly, actually, I don't even really have anything this week. Um, so gotcha. I, I was bad and didn't have that prepared. What about <laughs> you, Mark? What you got for us? Yeah, so for my book recommendation, I'm going to call this a book. It's not quite a book, um, but I'm going to recommend uh, Spurgeon's Baptist Catechism. Uh, so as our, as our listeners know, I just had a kid. This is our first podcast back since my wife had our baby. Oh, yeah, congratulations, Mark and Lindsay. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, so so we had Isabella, and she's super healthy and super awesome. My wife had some more issues coming out of the pregnancy that were, were rough. It was pretty scary for me that first weekend because uh, she had Isabella on the 13th, which was a Friday, uh, 13th of April, and... Uh, that night, she started having some really bad hemorrhaging and um, lost a lot of blood. It was really concerning. The doctors were doing a lot to to try to stop that, and they got it regulated. On Saturday, she ended up having 
uh, three and a half units of blood transfused um, just to try to get her heart rate lower, her blood pressure back up, all that stuff. Um, she's doing a lot better now. She's recovering really well. We saw the doctor earlier this week, and the doctor gave her uh, a really good re- review, um, saying that she's just looking a lot better. Uh, so that's been good, but it's been kind of a long road in that category. Um, thankfully, even though my wife's been having issues, our baby's been super healthy. And so it's been nice that whilst caring for both of them, at least, at least our baby girl was very healthy. So, uh, and I wasn't trying to deal with two people who were sick or having complications. Um, but you know, God's good. He's delivered us and, and we're super happy to have our, our little girl now. And, um, it's been an awesome time. And in that I've been looking at, uh, at catechisms and things like that as we, as our little girl grows up and uh, we spend time with her, we want to be intentional parents when it comes to bringing them up, bringing her up in the fear and admonition of the Lord and uh, uh, teaching her the biblical principles and teaching her to love scripture and love the Lord. And so in doing that uh, and doing a lot of research, I really, really liked uh, Spurgeon's uh, edited Baptist catechism. It's really well put together. It's got 82 questions. I've been reading through it and uh, familiarizing myself with it so that as she gets older, obviously, we're not taking her through a catechism right now because she's three weeks old. Um, you got to start them young. <laughs> as, she, as she grows and, and, and learns, uh, I want to be familiar with it so that we can take her through that as we read through Scripture with her as well and, and help her to, to learn and know the truth. And so my recommendation book-wise Again, not really a book, but Spurgeon's Baptist Catechism. You can just find the PDF online. That's all I did. Printed it off. And uh, it's it's a really thorough and, and well-put-together catechism. So I highly recommend that. Um, media-wise, I'm actually going to recommend The Dividing Line. Luke mentioned that earlier. We have That's a podcast that we haven't talked about as much as some others. Like, we bring up... We always bring uh, up Doc and Devo. And yeah, we bring game. up Doctrine and Devotion, Devotion a lot, as well as the Reform Gamers, and they're still great podcasts. Still highly recommend those, but one that we haven't talked about as much is The Dividing Line with Dr. James White. And so uh, I'm going to recommend that one. It's It's got a lot of good stuff. It's Dr. James White can get a lot more scholarly than some of the other guys, um, and, and focuses on the podcast is a very different style of podcast. It, it can be very academic, but it's very beneficial. Um, I love listening to... to James White talk on the things that he talks about. And I know Luke, you've gotten into a little bit more here recently as well. He's, he's a really good podcast to check out. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. And so again, kind of off that, just to set the background, like that was, it was the dividing line and some of the stuff that, that occurred between James White and some other, other people um, that drew our attention to this, this issue kind of starting to blow up. And then like, yeah, the MLK 50 conference. This was the topic at the gospel or together for the gospel this year. And, it, and it's really just gotten a lot of attention and, and, and blown up a lot lately. And so we figured, you know, a lot of smart guys are talking about it. Why not throw in some, some stupid guys thought and they were like, well, Hey, instead of just having a few stupid guys talk about it, let's get another smart guy, Kofi to come on and talk about it. So you guys can actually hear from somebody intelligent on the issue. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and dive into that. And, think we probably need to start with the definition of racism so mark and kofi both of you feel free to to add on to this i'm just going to basically read what we what i have written in the show notes and so yeah shocker for those of you listening we actually kind of have show notes, actually wrote show notes kind of <laughs> kind of it's still a pretty pathetic excuse at show notes but so the the definition that, that we've written down was valuing another human being 
created in the image of God based off of race. And so that means either valuing them more or valuing them less based off of their race. Um, is there any, anything you guys would like to add to that or anything you'd throw into that definition of what, what racism is as, as we're starting to talk about this? No, I quite like that definition. I think it's a good working definition to go off. And I think as the conversation unfolds, the one thing that will become apparent is the fact that another definition has developed alongside of that or in replacement to that even, which I think is yeah. much more problematic. But yeah, I think that's a good definition that you've put forward for what racism is. Yeah, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Unfortunately, we've started, started to skew the lines, and that's why I think we need to, to define it right out the gate here, because what racism truly is, is an atrocity, and it's, it's a horrible sin. But what is accused of being racism, again, for instance, the, the things that James White was accused of being racist for, which were not racist comments at all, are like that that's making light of what racism truly is it's making light of the atrocity that it actually is to be devaluing the imago day in a person because of their race and so there's huge issues with that which kind of leads into our i guess first point i should have made the definition of sub point so that's that's making light of racism and, and what happens when we start calling racist at everything that occurs and so i'll i'll open this up to you guys i don't want to talk too much this podcast um First off, because I'm bad with wording things the way I want to say them, and I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth. And secondly, I'm, I, I know my thoughts, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. And so I'll, I'll kind of open up to you guys here. What are what are some of the – and so, Kofi, you mentioned that you'd seen a, a poor definition of racism um, within America, and I think specifically within the church, if, if that's wrong, correct me. What would you say that is? How have you seen that that kind of develop Right, so what we've I've begun to know, and others as well, is that we've begun to see a... I think it's the best way to describe it is sort of a another definition that has been trailered onto what we've all understood, at least for the most part, in 20th and 21st century Western culture to be racism. In addition to that, there's become this definition of racism that includes, well, having power and the use of power to bring about prejudice and injustice such that now what's become the norm is for people to say well if you are a minority or to use the phrase that's popular at the moment a person of color because people of color historically have not had the same amount of power then it's impossible for them to be racists they can only ever be victims of racism because racism is not just prejudice they will say yes all people can be prejudiced towards all people but for them racism is much more aligned to power and in particular um, financial power in a way that generations previously have never understood racism to be the case and so with that has come a set of assumptions about power and authority and um, the nature of that which 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 have now fed into the current conversation about racial reconciliation and race relations in the church. And that's the definition that I find problematic on a number of levels. Um, Not least of which, because it's not one that I would see played out in the scriptures. Gotcha. Yeah. I agree. That's, that's well put. I hadn't thought about the association of power with it there. So Mark, do you have any thoughts you want to add or. No, I think, I mean, Kofi summarized it really well, I think that, and he, he worded it really well, um, looking at the difference in the way that um, people kind of look at what racism is and um, the fact that, 
I lost my train of thought. No, I don't really have anything to add. I think I think Kofi summarized it well. <laughs> it's okay. You you've been getting a little sleepy. You just had a baby. You're allowed to lose your train of thought. <laughs> I do it, and I don't have an excuse. Um, yeah. And so you you mentioned the uh, the the part where like people are allowed to be prejudiced as long as there's not power or especially wealth being levied against each other. I, I'm curious too as to because you're you're from London. You already mentioned that, and you are to use the as you said, the nice term, you are a person of color, Kofi. And so have you seen, like, combatant against that? Like, oh, you're from London, you're from England, you don't understand the culture in America? Have you seen any pushback against that? Um, This is just me being curious at this point. Not a week goes by where I don't get told that by someone. (laughs) (laughs) Not a week goes by that someone doesn't tell me that because I'm from the UK and the experience in the UK is very different, which itself is a worldview issue that I have issues with. But um, because I'm from the UK and because I um, traffic in somewhat different circles to a lot of the folks who are talking about this stuff that I just don't understand their experience I just don't understand their pain as, um, and there's var- it's variations on the theme but more or less I get told that at least once a week um, in fact yeah. it's I am running at three times this week already in conversations with people I've been told that so yep um, that gets wheeled out quite a bit yeah. And and the issue with that is and that I think plays just as much in what you're talking about, that redefinition of racism is there there's a prejudice. So like if Mark and I were just to talk about this, there's a there's a prejudice because we're we're two white guys talking about it, which to be fair, we don't we don't understand. We have not been in the same situation where we can relate with with prejudice because prejudice does exist against people of color does does exist out there and so we can't relate with that but at the same time that doesn't mean that we can't have a biblical worldview on it and the same goes with you with being from from england and so it's not it's not okay in my opinion to be to be going hey well you just you don't get a say in this matter because you're from london you don't get a say in this matter because you're not from the same ethnicity and almost bleeds back into the proper definition of racism while they may not be valuing the person less they're valuing their opinion less based off of their race or based off of their social standing which i think is a huge issue that we've seen as, as people have started to address this i mean i know those same accusations have been leveled against james white um and and the things that he's said that he just can't understand because he is a he, he's not a minority um would you guys say that's accurate is that am i am i stepping safe enough here I'm, i feel like i'm starting to talk where i might get myself in trouble yeah. no i, I th- I think you're right, and uh, I, one thing that's gotten to me in this conversation, and Luke, I've talked to you about this before, but it, it's interesting to me that, like you said, because we haven't, because we're not a minority, because we haven't necessarily had the same experiences as others, um, we're for whatever reason we can't have an opinion on it because of that, and, and I feel like. It's been interesting to me, and this, this is just an observation, and I may be wrong. That I, I don't see all of this. I'm not while I while I witness this. I don't always get super involved in the conversations around racial reconciliation in the church and things like that. And so, uh, I'm what I'm about to say is definitely a generalization, but it seems like often the people who aren't minorities who talk on this and are disagreeing with what some of the other people are saying. Get we get written off because well we can't understand it so we can't talk about it and then there there's other people who are not minorities who begin to speak in the same way who who do talk about it and um, 
a very and the way that Kofi talked about looking at at it from a more prejudicial way and looking at you know the power of of white people historically versus minorities and not understanding it who kind of take the side of well there is this systemic uh, racism in the church or whatever and whenever they start speaking in the same way then people are like oh yeah this is great like listen to what they have to say and it's it becomes kind of a double standard where and this happens all over the place where we can we like to affirm the voices that agree with us and try to suppress the voices who disagree with us. And I think that that happens very often in my observation. And um, I think that that's problematic in and of itself because it's trying to, um, rather than trying to, to actually communicate and seek true unity and reconciliation, trying to understand each other and find that, that ground as Christians to to move forward and be unified, we try to, it's an attempt to silence each other. And I think it happens on both sides, but it, it becomes concerning to me whenever we see people who want to, want to silence people who disagree with them and then are constantly, um, praising and, and encouraging people to look at, at people who do agree with them. I don't know if I'm making very much sense or not. Um, but that's just been an observation on my part that I've seen that's kind of been concerning for me. Gotcha. Kofi, did you have anything you were wanting to, to say there? I know you started to talk in that. Um, yeah, I wholeheartedly uh, co-sign everything that was just said. Um, yeah, I do find that very concerning that this has become a conversation whereby nobody is allowed a alternative opinion unless... In fact, I wouldn't even say unless. No one's allowed an alternative opinion, full stop. Um, oh, period. Sorry, mm. I'm in the US. We don't say full stop. Um, <laughs> You're good. Yeah. I like um, to stop better personally. <laughs> um, you're not allowed an alternative opinion. So, if an alternative opinion gets expressed, immediately it has to be shut down as, oh, you don't understand, or you don't come from this worldview, or if you are someone who is significantly lower on the melanin scale. Um, Yes. I like that. <laughs> I'm borrowing that from Dr. White. Um, <laughs> then, yeah, you don't get to talk on this issue. Which is, yeah, um, again, unless it lines up with what's already... Exactly. Unless you agree with... Which, um, again, and we may get into some of the underpinnings of a lot of this discussion, um, flows right out of some of the writers who... Not so much in the reform camp where this conversation is happening, but in sort of wider Christendom who've written on this subject. That's essentially what they've said. That the only opinion that white people are allowed to have, essentially, if we're going to put it plainly, is an opinion of assent to whatever it is people of color say. Mm. Never allowed to present an alternative opinion. Never allowed to even explain themselves. It's no, this is how it is, and you need to get with the program. And for me, that is very problematic because now it creates a sort of two-tier Christianity almost in relation to this issue. There are people at the top who get to speak, and there are people at the bottom who don't get to speak. And that, to me, is incredibly problematic. Yeah, it, it is. And the, the sad thing, too, and the thing I don't think, I don't think a lot of those authors and people who are espousing that realize, and, and Mark and I have both seen this within within white evangelicals, is, is there's one of two reactions to that most of the time. Thankfully, sometimes there's a third, but the two major reactions are either that, oh, okay, I don't get an opinion, and so people don't, they stop thinking for themselves, they stop searching scripture to see, wait, what is racism actually, and how does the gospel address it? Because it is a very real issue, and, and 
we need to know the biblical approach to it and we need to know the biblical definition of it or they fall to the other side and they just stop caring and they go well if i don't have an opinion then i don't care and and it doesn't get addressed and so it's it's really antithetical to the the espoused goal of of those authors and of those people who are making those claims because their end result is not a unity it's it's a disunity and it's either mindless drones or it's people who just don't care and so in both situations the issue is not actually getting addressed and and most importantly, it's not getting addressed through the unity we find in the gospel. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking to see that. So, and I do, I do want to throw this out to you really quick. I meant to say this at the beginning of the podcast. And in, in no way are any of us saying that racism isn't real. And no way are we saying it's not an actual issue. Mm-hmm. We're saying that the way it's been redefined is, is not what it truly is. And the solutions that have been given for it are not the true solution that we find in scripture. So... So yeah, anything anything else you guys want to throw in on on just how um, we'll we'll stick with Christianity, how Christianity or the the, the church in America specifically has, has kind of made light of racism through recent events. Yeah, I think I think you touched on something that's so important, which is I think the equally wrong response on the part of some, where there's almost a blithe dismissal of the need for a conversation to begin with, and. Yeah. You know, on my end, it's a little frustrating at times because I'm often assumed to be saying that there is no problem. To which I say, well, I think there are problems. I just don't... Firstly, I think the problems are misdiagnosed. That's a whole other set of issues. Mm. I yeah. think, yeah. if anything, there's a lack of cultural understanding between um, sometimes certain segments of well, what is now called white evangelicalism, which itself is a phrase I don't like but um, <laughs> yeah I used it I don't care for it either yeah. but yeah go on um, you know I do think yes at times there is a you know a lack of cultural understanding if I'm even going to say one on the part of white religion, I think on both sides um, there's a sometimes an element of suspicion that's there but where the two sides don't really talk to each other or they don't really know much about each other and one looks at the other as though they're a bit weird and you kind of let that go on generationally even with people who aren't explicitly prejudiced. And yes, it does kind of form an implicit prejudice at times, almost as though, you know, the way that we do things is the right way and the way that you do things is the wrong way. When actually it's just two different ways of doing things. And provided that you're not transgressing biblical precepts, um, they are two perfectly valid ways of doing things. So Mm -hmm. I do think there's a conversation to be had there. And I think part of that does... Um, include talking about okay you know sometimes what looks like a lack of minority representation within broad evangelical circles I think there's a conversation to be had about that my issue is not so much that that conversation needs to happen but the conversation has moved to okay there's this issue that we need to kind of talk about guys which is not necessarily malicious on one side or the other but now it's transitioned to no there is a malicious intent um which is ascribed on, to the part of some who do not take this view. And as a result, people look at that and say, well, okay, you're basically accusing me of being a racist. I'm not a racist. How dare you? And people get sinfully, but understandably defensive. So they don't want to talk about that issue anymore. Or if they do see someone talking about that issue, no matter how balanced or unbalanced, the immediate response is, oh, there you go again, calling me a racist, how dare you? And they want to defend themselves. And so I think this conversation that's happening about racial reconciliation in the church ultimately becomes 
more harmful than helpful for that very reason. Either you get people who are just entrenched and refuse to have that conversation, or people who, for fit, like you said, for fear of basically being labeled a racist or labeled as not understanding, just decide, okay, I'm just checking out this conversation altogether. I'm just going to retreat to my sort of cultural enclave where I feel safe. And the reconciliation that should be happening through believers speaking to one another doesn't take place, which is an incredibly sad thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and you, you said something earlier on there that leads us right into to where we're going here. That's that it's, it's been mis, misdiagnosed. The issue has been misdiagnosed. And so we see it as either, like you said, well, this culture is right or this culture is right. And they can't both be right, again, as long as they're operating within biblical standards. They are. that They can both be acceptable and that they're just different. But we see either, a, oh, well, it, it's not a, okay, we need to both accept these are different and good ways. It's There needs to be an embracing of, of both across lines. There needs to be a, well, if you're not including this manner of worship, if you're not including the manner of worship is probably the wrong way to put it. Uh, hopefully you guys know what I mean. If you're not a, including this thing intentionally, you're not trying to implement this into the way that you're doing Christianity or the way that you're walking out your faith, then you're doing it wrong, which is an issue, I think, because the the hard issue here, if, if we get down to it, is not a, a cultural difference. It's not a social difference, although those are the outlying evidences of it. Those aren't the core issue, and so if we address those, we're just we're just putting a bandaid on a jugular wound, and we're not actually getting to an actual solution. And so, obviously, the heart of racism is the the heart of anything evil, and that that's sin. And something that James White brought up on the dividing line, uh, I think he brought it up on the dividing line. Maybe it was in a tweet, but he got when he was being told to repent, and he was saying, "You're telling me to repent of something, and that's accusing me of of openly living in sin or, or pursuing sin." And so there's an issue when we begin throwing the accusation of racist because we're we're calling something if, – if it's not true racism, if it's just what you described there, Kofi, or what we've been talking about with the, the improper definition, we're calling something sin that isn't sin and we're accusing a brother of something that should not be lightly accused. Um, what, what are you guys' thoughts here? Uh, no, I heartily agree. Um Yes, if you and so I've been following this whole saga with Doctor White for a while, and he's somebody that um, I consider a friend. We've met a number of times in person, and it's been frustrating for me on a personal level, if I can be honest for a second, to hear people accuse him of being a racist or being racially prejudiced, considering that I know him personally. And mm-hmm. I said this once to somebody and they always basically brushed aside as well. Okay, fine. But the majority of black people are saying this about him, which was, again, incredibly offensive. I said, personally, I think he treats me with much more respect than some of my own colleagues as people of color do. So what am I supposed to do with that when he treats me with much more respect and much more dignity than some of you do? Um this whole idea of, well, he needs to repent. And I agreed with him wholeheartedly. Repent of what? Um, it's like telling a kid to say sorry. Like, a kid does something wrong. You tell the kid to say sorry. And the kid says, kind of begrudgingly says sorry. And the parent says, okay, sorry for what? Um, it just, we understand that with children. that Okay, that's not a legitimate um, apology. Because the child has been made aware of what exactly it is they've done wrong. 
and to use the language of repentance where there's been no actual sin committed to me doesn't work biblically um and if you say okay well you need to repent for okay your fathers or grandfathers um prejudice or racism towards us that's even more problematic to me because okay but we're a few hundred years removed from that i have not personally done i cannot apologize on the behalf of sins that i was not present for but i again biblically ezekiel 18 talks about the idea of fathers not children excuse me being not being judged for the sins of the father that everyone bears their own sin i don't see how you make that work with saying okay um all white people need to apologize hundreds of years after the fact regardless of where they came from regardless of whether they were even involved in slavery or not no you were all complicit therefore you all need to repent i'm sorry biblically i just do not see that and ultimately it goes back to the heart of the gospel the gospel calls us to practice forgiveness to quote paul in ephesians 4 that we are to forgive even as god in christ forgave us well how does god in christ forgive us well he forgives us by pardoning our sins and if i take scripture seriously it talks about him not holding our sins against us that he casts our sins into um i think the biblical analogy is the into a sea of forgetfulness almost that you know as far as east is from west as far he's cast our sins away from us so if god is forgiving us like that and we're called to forgive one another like that how do you now turn around and say okay you need to repent not for your own sin but for the sin of three four or five generations before you when you were not even present to me that just presents more problems than it answers yeah I, i agree wholeheartedly um, and, and this is something Mark and I talked about, and James White brought this up once again in The Dividing Line. Um, can you tell we listened to that a lot recently? Um, but brought up that you don't see this happening in other cultures. I mean, again, you're from you're from London. Slavery was a thing in England, but you don't, at least as, to my knowledge, so correct me if I'm wrong, but to my knowledge, you don't see these same types of conversations occurring in the UK. Um, you don't see Jewish Christians calling for Germans to repent for the sins of of their German fathers. You don't see all, all, all the different racial disparities. You don't really see this occurring again, to my knowledge, I could be wrong, but to my knowledge, you don't see the same type of call. And I think, I think a lot of what the culture has said, Hey, this is right. Has now seeped into the church and we've bought it hook, line and sinker. And what the culture's definition of, of racism and the culture's idea of what needs to be done in reparation for that replace what scripture shows as, Hey, how, how are we going to, come together people of all tribes all tongues all nations come together under under the banner of christ come together in unity in christ and see that again the heart of this is not a social issue the heart of this is not just oh you do things differently than i do and i think that's what this conversation keeps coming back to in the church is oh well we we're doing things differently than this culture would do it or you brought up kofi there's maybe not a representation of this culture within um, popular circles and are there things that maybe need to be addressed there like you said yeah I, th- I think so but when when we keep going back to oh we need to see we need to see these social reparations then we're not again we're not getting down to the actual core issue that is racism within our culture because again it's it's rampant in our culture in, in my opinion um, not not in ways to find but I mean I'm from a small rural town I can tell you there are racist people around me. There are racist people in my church and it breaks my heart 
but I've, I've seen even those who, who are racist, again, their response when they see everything being titled as racist is they become less willing to acknowledge their own sin, which is, is no excuse on their part. But it means we're hitting the wrong mark if we're not drawing to light the sin that it really is. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that one of the things, and that you guys kind of encompass this in what you said, but I think one of the greatest issues in this entire conversation, and, and we're going to start talking about the way that it's being addressed versus the way it should be addressed biblically, but the whole conversation that happens, especially within the church, for whatever reason, this is one of the most graceless conversations that happens between believers. And, and we, we struggle on both ends to treat each other with grace, to, to speak with graciousness, to, to try to come to a very unifying conversation. We we aren't willing to to hear what each other has to say, and we, we start accusing each other of sin that's not really there, um, or, or we're quick to try to silence each other or, or ignore each other. And it, as like Kofi said, when we're talking about the forgiveness that's been extended to us and the command for us to extend that same forgiveness, it's just totally absent whenever we get to talking about racial things, especially in the church. And it, it, it's, frust- it's frustrating and heartbreaking to see Christians who could be unified in the gospel and could be having this wonderful impact on the world and seeking to put their energies towards uh, proclaiming the word of God to, to people who need to hear it. And instead, we're putting our energy on arguing with each other and quarreling between ourselves. And the quarreling that happens isn't ever set out with the true under, with the true intention to reconcile uh, and it's never set out in a way that emphasizes forgiveness and grace. It, it, it becomes a very petty argument. It becomes a very hateful argument. And, and and the sin that gets committed, I think, more than anything that goes unaddressed, is in this conversation the lack of grace for brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. So, so just to let you guys know where I'm at in the notes, because I don't know if it's clear or not um that was that was there in the heart of racism and if you guys have anything else to touch on that go ahead if not we can look at the wrong solution here and just kind of see how that, that you mentioned in some ways Kofi, but look more in depth at how the church has kind of handled this poorly especially recently so so what would you guys again you already touched on a little bit but what, what would you guys say that you've seen how, how have you seen this being handled poorly in terms of looking for a solution within the church I think the biggest way I've observed um, that this has gone askew I think is in the sort of roles that various groups have been made to play so one thing that I've commented on I think on social media and in personal conversations I've had with people is there's often this sense of one side are the um, sort of hapless victims who have never done anything and one side are the sort of trigger happy oppressors and those who are considered to be the trigger happy oppressors have all this repentance and changing to do and those who could perceive themselves to be victims have no changing to do and with that means I think it was um, 
uh, I want to say Russell Moore in his talk at MLK50 in a video clip that the Gospel Coalition put out where he's basically saying okay if we need to um, change our worship styles we'll crucify our worship styles if we need to change this we'll change this and he's getting like rapturous um, applause from the audience as he's saying these things and I remember I commented on the video and I said I agree with him in principle does this work both ways Mm. Um, this push for okay we need to change certain things okay does that mean that um, people of color need to change some things to meet in the middle as well um, again this that for me is a troubling narrative when I read passages like Ephesians 2 11 through 22 and Galatians 3 28 which talk about what God has done in bringing about unity in Christ and what I see is a very level playing field in a sense and not this idea of okay this one group over here you need to come up to where we are um, but, or you need to come down to where we are no what I see in the New Testament is a unity and equality that exists and yes that doesn't mean that it's a perfect equality that exists and that there aren't issues that we need to talk about and we need to smooth out but it's Paul in Ephesians 4 who talks about this idea of the unity of the spirit that we're called to maintain I always joke with people that it says to maintain it, not to create it, because it's already there. Um, God, through the work of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, has affected this unity. And what we're called to do, essentially, is to live in light of it. But there's a difference mm. between that and saying, okay, now we need to create this almost artificial unity by telling one side to basically kill everything that um, we don't, um, that the other side doesn't like, and then essentially they can now accept you that to me I think is one of the biggest dangers of all of this and then there's also I think at times a and you see this in what I consider to be much more radical voices in this conversation who will essentially say anything that comes out of white evangelicalism doesn't relate to us as people of colour therefore we need to just jettison all of it and just talk to ourselves and we need to, as one guy wrote a few months ago, we need to stop trying to ask for a seat at the table and start creating our own table. Mm. I read something like that and I think, oh, okay, so we are now advocating for a self-enforced segregation. I don't know biblically yeah. how you, again, justify that. Because Scripture makes it clear that there's no room for that. Um, we see Peter trying to do something like that in Galatians chapter 2 and as we take back in the UK he gets his knuckles wrapped by the Apostle Paul <laughs> um, yeah because Paul says no you're not walking in step with the gospel um, that to me is very worrying this sort of self-enforced segregation now where people say well no if we can't have it our way well we're just gonna like kids playing in the street and one kid picks up his ball because he's not happy with the way the game is playing he's like well if I can't play I'm taking my ball elsewhere um that's not how we're called to behave as Christians. I think as Christians, we need to be... And I know people get very tetchy when you use language like this, but I do think in a very real sense, you know, Christians are called to be better than the world around them in this area. Um, mm -hmm. The world doesn't have the scriptures, the gospel, the Holy Spirit. We don't have... The world doesn't have the church. You know, this beautiful body that Christ has created. We have all these things at our disposal for us to model true unity to the world around us. And it's sad that we choose to sort of borrow from secular culture and its responses to everything. As though those solutions work when clearly they've been proven not to. When we've been given so much um, 
by our great triune God for dealing with these issues. Yeah, and that's that's honestly the, the great tragedy here. So we've talked about the different symptoms, again, that come out of this and the issues of making light of, of racism, making light of sin by accusing people to repent, the lack of grace. But the, the greatest issue with the way this conversation has been handled is I've, I, from, from what I've seen, again, and this, is, this is what I've seen, but from what I've seen, I've seen people saying that man's, uh, the American man's primary need is social equality, not the American man's primary need is a savior. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, you've seen this, this elevation of, well, what we need to be focused on first and foremost as a church is, is social equality. And, and then the gospel falls in line behind that instead of seeing that as a fruit that comes out of the gospel. Instead of seeing that you need a fruit that comes out of the gospel, it becomes something that precedes the gospel. And it just doesn't work that way because there is nothing in our, our natures Again, my opinion, but I think it's a biblical one. Our, this is how our natures work. We want to ascribe worth in our race. We want to ascribe worth in our, our social status. We want to ascribe worth in, in, in how much we make or what we do. And because of that, until we're finding our worth in Christ, until we're finding our value in Christ, there can't be unity because I'm, I'm going to look down on those who are finding their worth in something different than I am. Because in my mind, it devalues me. And so it's easier for me to devalue them. And so when we're coming to the topic of race and saying, oh, we need to all value each other equally. We only find that value in the Imago Dei and in the gospel of Christ. But instead of, of getting to that point, and, and it's, it's mentioned and skirted around, and some people do, do hit it dead on the nose. Again, they're definitely not saying that the entire American church is handling this topic poorly. There's just been very vocal voices that have. And, and what I've heard from them is, we got to set the social stuff right. And like you said, we we take our cues from secular culture. And so we're going to try their solutions to the social issues and then we'll get to the gospel. And that's, and and none of them would phrase it that way. Maybe I'm doing injustice by saying it that way, but that's what's coming across anyway. Does that make sense? You guys think that it's too harsh or can you tell I'm a little nervous to talk about this one? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I don't have a lot to add to what you guys have said other than just reiterating once again that for whatever reason, the church as a whole, the the more, at least right now, the most vocal voice in this conversation is ignoring the gospel and say, and it's ignoring the gospel and it's intent to solve the issue. And it's focusing on what the, what the world has said will fix it. It's trying to do things in the way that the world does as opposed to, focusing on what scripture has given us and shown us and led by example it's 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 ignoring that and i think that is that will never work whenever whenever we ignore scripture in favor of the world the solution is never going to work yep absolutely absolutely what what do we need to do what do we need to do to write this ship i mean mm-hmm. the answer is obvious but but what do we need to do what needs to happen um if i can just grab a bible real quick um <laughs> Always a good thing. Always a good thing. Yes, always a good thing. Um, About a year or so ago, I was privileged to teach a Bible study going through the letter to the Ephesians. And um, it was in studying Ephesians 2, 11 to 22 um, for one of the lessons that we did in Ephesians that um, I was just so amazed by um, what Paul has to say to these two different groups, Jews and Gentiles, which hated each other. Um, Mm. They really did. And 
the hatred was on both sides. It was not a okay, one side is at least visibly it looked like one side hated one side was more powerful than the other. That was true. Rome was obviously the superpower of the day and the Jews weren't. But that didn't stop the Jews having strong animosity towards the Gentiles either. And so you see this great animosity and then the gospel comes to light and Jews and Gentiles are now worshipping together and they're one people of God now and Paul says some really fascinating things there so in Ephesians 2.14 speaking of Christ he says for he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh in his in his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressing regulations so that he may create so that he might create in himself one new man from the two um, <clears throat> resulting in peace he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to those to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have access in one spirit to the father so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with the saints and members of god's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with christ jesus himself as the cornerstone in him the whole body being put together grows into a holy temple in the lord in him you are also being built together for god's dwelling in the spirit and so Paul says these things and he reminds them that no look at what God has done go back to that remember what it is that and that's how he begins the section 211 so then remember that one time and he goes into this long and extended discourse that remember once upon a time this is who you were and now this is what God has done he's brought you together he's made you one people and so he essentially says you're now being built together into God's dwelling place in the spirit. And that's what I think needs to be discussed more. It saddens me that a lot of the conversation has gotten so sinfully pragmatic, if you will, that now all we want to talk about is, okay, we need to make our churches more multi-ethnic and we need to put more people in positions of power because then that will write. That doesn't, I don't think those things in and of themselves deal with the issue. Yeah. Um, as the old saying goes, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. We mm -hmm. have to go back to, okay, on a heart level, what it is? What is it that God has done? Well, in the person of Christ, he has affected unity between not just Jew and Gentile, but every sort of group that have their issues. And we have to kind of start there and saying, okay, yes, all this stuff is happening, but I want to be clear from the jump as the you know person of color speaking to a white evangelical or the other way around you are my brother you are my sister in christ and regardless of what has happened in the past of our our nation or whatever nation you come from we need to begin with this fact that we are now in christ and that makes us members of one another and family and that has to start there i think if we fail to start with that founding presupposition you end up with the sort of bitter rancorous conversation that we have right now where it's an us versus them mentality there's this bitterness and this anger and quite frankly what comes off and it may not be the case on the part of the people who say this stuff but it definitely comes off as though there is this spirit of revenge that 
you you people did this to us now we want our pound of flesh and mm. that concerns me because like hold on these people that you're calling you people if you're in Christ that's part of your body yeah. like you're all members of the one body that that can't fly like um, as one of my favorite preachers Dr. Vody Barkham says that dog won't hunt like you have to be able to sit down and say, no, this is my brother. This is my sister in Christ. Whatever tough conversations we need to have, they have to start there. And the failure of so many to start with that basic principle. In fact, that principle gets mocked by some. The idea of, well, we start with the gospel. Well, where do you expect us to start? That's yeah. why we start with any problem we face spiritually. We go back to what it is that God has done in Christ and we start there. Beyond that, once we've gotten, once we've established clearly brother and sister relationship, family relationship, okay, now we need to have some pointed conversations about our different experiences. Because why? We've leveled the playing field where it's not an us versus them mentality. Now we can have those conversations about, you know, different cultural things or different ethnic things that look as though they divide us now you're able to have that conversation but you can't have that conversation without first going back to gospel principles it has to begin there and i think it's sad that um and we didn't even get into this the whole issue of critical race theory and intersectionality that we feel that we have to borrow those categories Mm -hmm. in order to discuss the issue of racial unity in the church and that the principles that the new testament gives us are seemingly ineffective I think it's a very sad place that we've come to where that's the case. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And that's just just bouncing off that, I would say that's, that's exactly what we need to see. You, you can't see that reconciliation between men until you see the reconciliation between man and God. But we, we can't start having these conversations in the church to see that, that, that reconciliation or to see that, that unity until we first look back to the reconciliation that God has provided for us through Christ. I think back to the when Jesus interacts with the Canaanite woman, and, and he, he talks about not throwing the loaf to that was meant for the children to the dog, and then he goes on and heals her her daughter. But we see now that we're all free to come to the table. We're coming to the table in unity around who we are in Christ, as you mentioned. We're coming together as brothers and sisters. And so until we come to that point, until we come to what we see in Revelation, where we see people of all tribes, all tongues, all nations standing together and worshiping their Savior, uh, until we've, we've, we've approached it from that angle of it's Christ alone. It's Christ alone. It's what he's done. And because of that, we can have this discussion civilly, gracefully, as members of the same body to say, how can we as a body be operating the most efficiently as we can to the glory of God. How can how can the hand and the feet and, and the eyes and the nose and the mouth and the ears, how can how can we be working in unison? Again, the, the picture in Galatians. We don't get to look at the hand and say, I don't need you. We don't we don't get to tell one body part that they're less valuable. It all, it all works together. But all of that is built on the foundation of the gospel of Christ. And until we start there, we're just we're we're not even treading water, we're just falling backwards. We're, we're doing damage, we're doing harm, we're not doing anything to progress the health of the church or the glory of God. Instead, we're, we're detracting from both, which is just terrible. And so, uh, again, 
we find racism answered in the gospel. The true racism, what it is, if 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 you're listening and and you think less of somebody because of their race, sit down and read scripture because you're missing it. Well, what Kofi brought up is huge. There's been reconciliation brought, but if you're out there and you're you're happened to, and I think if you're in America, you are at a point now where we have to address this and we have to talk about this. And I think that's probably a good thing. What needs to happen is seeing it addressed healthily. And we have to start with the gospel. And we have to start with the fact that we no longer identify. Can we still have preferences? Yes. But our identity at the end of the day is not bound up in our race. Our identity at the end of the day is bound up in Christ. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so because of that, we get to come and stand on common ground. If for nothing else than the fact that while we did not deserve it, our sins were washed away by the blood of Christ, for the glory of God. And so that gets to be our focus in seeing how do we bring him glory together and how can we assist each other in that goal and in that purpose. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm asking you guys, do you have any last thoughts or anything like that that you want to say before we wrap up here? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I'd like to talk to people on my side of the melanin scale, so to speak, um, who may listen to this and think, oh, great, another brother who... Is sold out, or to use a phrase I discovered a week ago, um, someone told me that I am in the sunken place. Um, I haven't heard that one. So the idea <laughs> is um, I'm not quite awake to the um, social injustices and stuff like that that happens in society and in the church. And so the person flat out told me, you know, Kofi, I love you, but you're in the sunken place right now. And I'm praying for you to um, get woke. Um, he's got to get woke. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate the prayers. I guess I need them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I want, I want to speak to, you know, the people on my side of the aisle for a second. And I want us to, I want to say this guys, 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 we need to think about this issue. Particularly, I'm talking to Christians at this point. I think there's a sense in which society around us may never solve the racial issue. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't think society has the spiritual tools necessary to do that. Yeah, I think we can make great strides, and yeah, I like to think that we've made some in history. But can you deal with that heart issue just by legislation? Oh no! If we could do that, we'd have legislated sin and crime out of um, existence a long time ago. So, if we're going to have this conversation, I think it's believers who need to have this conversation, not borrow from unbelievers. But we've touched on that. But I want to speak to my constituency, so to speak, and say. Guys, we need to go back to having this conversation along biblical lines. Not along sociological lines, not along political lines, but biblical lines. Now, are those going to have sociological and maybe even political implications? Of course they will. Like, um, I believe it was Cornelius Van Til who said that the Bible is the word of God in all that it addresses, and moreover, it addresses everything. So, yes, it's going to have a impact on how we deal with those issues but we have to go back to scripture and allow scripture as it were to moderate the discussion in a way that our sinful hearts can't do by themselves our sinful hearts by nature will seek revenge will seek what is best for self whether that's individual self or collective self as we think of others who look like us and i plead with folks go back to scripture Look at how scripture talks about issues of forgiveness and unity and reconciliation. Get your cues from there. Not from critical race theory, not from intersectionality, not from the likes of James Cone and others. Go back to scripture. Allow scripture to inform how you view these issues. Because it's in going back to scripture 
and going back to the voice of God speaking to his people, which is what I'm convinced scripture is. It's in going back to that voice that we get a level playing field for us to work from. That we get a foundation on which this, we can have this conversation and the floor doesn't fall in under the both of us, both black and white. That, yes, we're able to have these conversations and have them in an honest way. Why? Because we recognize that we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ and that actually we, you know, uh, believe the phrase is we don't have to always get along to go along. Um mm. Yes, we may come away from those conversations not fully agreeing, but at least we understand each other better. But those conversations can't happen until we go back to the gospel and we reclaim, I think, a right sense of gospel centrality. Until we get back there, guys, this conversation is only going to be more frustrating for all of us who are involved in it. And yeah, that's why I would have to say. Yeah, I don't have anything to add other than amen. And same thing goes for those on the white side i mean don't run from it don't ignore it all the dangers we mentioned earlier that's not it it's how how can we love our our brothers in christ and and get back to what you said the scriptural approach to this and get back to the gospel and and let the implications be what the implications be but instead of focusing on the implications focus on the gospel and let the application come out of that so well we appreciate having you coming on thank you for, for everything you had I, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing your thoughts and, and appreciate again you taking the time to, to do this in the middle of a busy schedule um, to all you guys listening thank you for listening appreciate you guys we will catch you guys in a couple weeks here with another episode if you like the podcast make sure you review it on iTunes share it with your friends you can follow us on Facebook at Air 204 Podcast. Or I guess join the group on Facebook at Air 204 Podcast. Twitter is the place where you follow people. On Twitter, you can follow us at Air 204 Podcast. And if you want to send questions or have thoughts, feel free to shoot us an email at Air 204 Podcast at gmail.com. Appreciate you guys, and we will catch you in a little while. Bye. Bye.